When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're an L.A. native and you love rock and roll, you're going to recognize this voice. Today, I'm going to be talking to Rita Wild, former DJ for KLOS and The Sound. And her voice alone kept bringing me back to those days when I blasted KLOS in my car as a teen. So we're going to talk about growing up in Southern California, her love of the doors, her road to radio, some incredible moments meeting rock's greatest, and her current podcast with CW West, Rock and Roll Confessional. Rita, I am so excited to have you on. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate got, that. Oh, no, it's it's absolutely great. I mean, guys, if you are Southern California natives, then you know Rita Wild. You have had an incredible career as a Southern California DJ. And I will say as someone that grew up uh, in Southern California, just like you, LA specifically, um, and was always partial to classic rock. Your voice was on the radio in my car constantly, whether it was KLOS, The Sound, and, you know, now I listen to your awesome podcast with CW West, Rock and Roll Confessional. So I feel like, Rita, you are a longtime friend, which I'm sure you hear often. (laughs) That's very nice. That's reaffirming, you know, and, and, and comforting because... Uh, speaking to you right now is the way I would always speak on the radio, at least try to, unless, you know, there was a PD or a consultant behind me saying, speak faster, speak quicker, <laughs> don't speak as much. You know? it, so I guess there's a little bit of me that's geeking out right now. And, you know, I, I've got a lot of folks on this season that have been part of the L.A. rock scene of the 60s and 70s in some way, you know, whether it's... Um, they're authors or they're photographers or they lived it, you know, um, but you have had the unique experience of bringing that music to the masses, the folks that lived it, but then the younger generations too. Yeah. It was, it's interesting lately. I mean, within the last couple of years, just how vinyl has taken over. And, you know, that was one of the fun things uh, about working at the sound is that, you know, we could have that, guaranteed album side at night and it was just so refreshing and just so warming and comfortable to hear those sounds you know that I always heard them before just get those same feelings and and the fact that people uh, appreciate that feeling and understand that no matter how you listen to music you know it's just the fact that you listen to music and it resonates somehow somewhere yeah and I think that that experience of vinyl is something people are coming back to um, it's, it's tangible. 
almost, yes. you know, you hear the cracking or, you know, you hear an album in its entirety and you're consuming it as an art form. I grew up, uh, you know, or my coming of age years were in the 90s when you were listening to singles. So you could go right. to Blockbuster and you could buy a single of, you know, Nirvana's Nevermind or whatever it was. And you got that three minutes of euphoria. And then that was it. Yeah. You know, unless you hit repeat. And then, yes. <laughs> And you know, then the which, euphoria started to dwindle a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, God, I can't believe it. And then the cassette would get stuck and I'd have to use that pencil or something to rewind it or something. But um, no, it's uh, it, it, it's really been a uh, blessed and uh, remarkable life. I have the, uh, the time these days to think back on it. And, you know, not that I was ever not thankful for it while I was living it. But, you know, now it's like I can uh, breathe, live those moments and go, wow, that was that was really special. That was really special. I, you know, I never dreamed, never dreamed that, you know, I'd be uh, as lucky and as fortunate as I was. So I'm blessed. Yeah, I know. yeah. no, you, I'm sure you certainly are. And some of those moments I want to dive into. Sure. Um, but, you know, first, I, I want you to kind of take me back to Southern California um, when you were growing up. And as a kid, you know, did you have a deep love for rock at the time? What was happening? Paint that picture for me at the time. And were there moments that resonated with you? Was it, you know, buying that first Beatles record or going to a specific concert? It was so many things uh, before that. I actually moved out here when I was uh, 13. Mm -hmm. uh, my father had passed away. So, you know, uh, he was connected with the military. So we got to spend some time living in Germany. And there I was like fascinated with the radio that was in the house, you know, where you could pick up Radio Luxembourg and, you know, and hear stuff like uh, the Beat Brothers, you know, Tony Sheridan and the Beat Brothers, who later became the Beatles. I was just a young kid, you know, at the time didn't really know. Fortunately, I was the youngest of four, so I, I got turned on to a lot of music by my sisters and brother. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I always had that, that radio bug. I had that music bug. I just related to it in so many different ways. I just uh, appreciated it. Uh, moving to, to California was a, uh, something that I really wanted and loved you know, happening because California and the streets were paved with gold, you know, it was just like, <laughs> it was like, man, it was, it was a wonderland, you know, and I'd been living in Georgia at the time. So you can imagine it's like, yeah, that's culture shock. No but, kidding. um, uh, and moved to, uh, to Anaheim and, uh, you know, retrospect, it was, uh, a difficult time because, uh, having lost my father, that, that was a really, uh, pivotal point for me. That was like my best friend and mm -hmm. and you know I, I kept on thinking that you know he would get better and better so all that transpired to you know coming out here like 1969 and, and just seeing the spirit and all that kind of stuff too young to do really anything you know so fortunately my sister is three years older than I would you know like take me up to the sunset strip we'd go up there <laughs> and just kind of like wow that's the rock scene or actually the Roxy wasn't ready. The, the, the whiskey, that's the whiskey at Gogo. Um, there used to be this record store there called Wallach's Music City. And um, I would just go in there and just like breathe in the walls, you know, just like, okay, who's all been here? I'd hear, I'd hear stories about George Harrison walking in there from some people saying, hey, George, try some of these. And somebody would hand him like a bunch of pills in his hand and you just take them all, you know. <laughs> so it was like, OK, so, you know, it, it's part myth, 
mythology uh, and, and reality all at the same time. But what a, you know, there was something different about Southern California. And then when that Southern California sound came around, you know, it was like uh, the Beatles, not the Beatles, sorry, the Eagles, uh, Linda Rod's tent, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash. I just gravitated to that and I loved it. Absolutely. Well, you came to Southern California at a time when all of that was really happening. I mean, I think, you know, obviously early 60s, everybody was thinking the Beach Boys and hot rod culture and the surfing sounds and all of that. And then it kind of morphed into, you know, the folk rock scene with the birds and Buffalo Springfield. And all of that had transpired by the time that you got to Southern California. So I'm sure even at 13, you probably had a real reverence for what was going on. Oh, absolutely. And it was it was... It was spiritual in a sense, you know, because early on, I realize now that, that that music is my religion. That's that's my that's my heart. That's my soul. That's what speaks to me, you know. So that's that was what was speaking to me, you know, when my sister would drive me through Laurel Canyon and go, yeah, you know, that's like where the Doors wrote Love Street and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, you know. Eventually, my sister, you know, got sick of her little sister and (laughs) had other friends. So when I was able to drive, I'd I'd go up there by myself and and do the same sort of things, you know, just just breathe in that that area that just had so much history and culture and meant so much to me. And and obviously to so many different people, you know. Oh, definitely. And did you get time or did you did you get a chance? I know you were young to spend a lot of time on the strip to see any concerts uh, not at that particular time. I, I, you know, I had some other kind of weird things happen in my life. Like uh, once going to middle school, junior high school, uh, I had like this great art art class, and I was the one that was responsible for bringing albums in for the art. Ah. You know, for the, you know, it was just perfect, <laughs> and uh, just brought in so many eclectic and also mainstream forms of rock. But one I was just really obsessed with was the doors and my art teacher said no you really like the doors don't you god i love the doors she said you need to go to the principal and i thought oh f (laughs) uh you know (laughs) so it's like uh why why you know why do i need to what am i bad for bringing this music what did i do something wrong what's up with having to go to the principal she goes you'll see and so I walked into the principal's office with my Doors records. And, uh, you know, he mentioned the teacher that, you know, asked him if I could come in and talk to him. And he said, do you know why? I go, no, <laughs> I don't know why. He goes, I'm Jim Morrison's father-in-law. It was like Jim Morrison's father-in-law was the... Pam Corson's father? Or... Yes. Yes. Pam Corson's father was the oh principal God. of my... Um, middle school he went on to villa park high school a couple of years after that but it was just you know fascinating just to uh you know he was very uh, adamant about drinking and drugs and that kind of thing you know as, as you might imagine that sure. he's, uh so you know he would he would mention uh, you know don't don't do drugs and don't drink and you know he said jim was a fascinating guy you know, he said he loved being around him until he started drinking. And mm-hmm. then it was like, then he, and he goes, then he just became this other person, you know, which I guess was Mr. Mojo rising, whatever. Yeah. But that, that was very cool. And then somehow, some way, the Doors were playing a show, I think, at the Long Beach Arena. 
And another friend of mine in art class said, well, let's go. And it's like, well, how do we get there? You know? And her mother drove us there. We had tickets way up in the rafters, but of course, the Long Beach Arena at that time, you know, still. You can still see pretty well. Yeah. You, you know, it is like at the forum at the time. Oh my God, the forum is so huge, you know, and now you go to like SoFire and you have those other places and it's, it's like, oh, forum's so small and intimate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had seats way up and I said, well, let's just go try, sit down closer to the stage. And she said, okay. I go, what, what's the worst going to do? They can kick us out. We went into the third row and never got kicked out all night. That no. was, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. And uh, the doors have always been something, uh, a band that's been really, really special to me. So that, that was a, you know, that was just like an indication of, all right, Southern California, this is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And how was Jim during that performance? Was uh, he very, lucid and very well behaved, very mm. well behaved. And, and uh, you know, just lucid and, you know, strong. I wish I could remember more of the concert because another one of my favorite bands was playing the Flying Burrito Brothers. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. You know, who I, I, I saw them at Chris another Hillman venue. And, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Graham, Graham Parsons. Graham Parsons. Uh, saw them at a, a different venue. So even if I don't remember seeing them that <laughs> night, the doors, doors is all I remember. Uh, that's okay. You know, it, <laughs> it all works out. So, you know, just, just a great, great show to go to. Well, especially now, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of these folks have passed. Graham's no longer with us, obviously. Jim's no longer with us, neither is Ray. And to be able to say that you saw those groups when they were all together in their entirety, yeah. I mean, those are moments in time. You know, my dad talks to me about being stoned out of his mind, or his friends <laughs> at least were stoned out of his mind. Seeing oh, cream. your dad probably was too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the story he tells, you know, but he still can't remember it. I yeah. don't know. Um, but the fact that he was there, you know, he was so proud, so yeah. proud. And, you know, I, it, my parents have all these stories, but they can't, they can remember the night, but they can't remember <laughs> the details. Well, what song did they play? What album were they promoting? What jam did they go off on? You know, <laughs> they probably played. You know? Yeah. And, but, and a lot of, a lot of things too, though, is that at that time, sound systems were so atrocious, you know, that yeah. you really couldn't, you know, you had to, strain to hear and you know, make out songs and stuff like that but um you know it's it's so much it's better wonder. now that way you know technically oh yeah it's a wonder anybody got signed <laughs> <laughs> so true well in, in that and you know i'm sure probably created an innate um love of music and the path to djing right uh, I, I guess I assume. eventually all on that, uh, but, you know, uh, life being that life is, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'll, I don't know what I want to do. Oh, I think I want to go to Congress, you know, work and be political, you know, be active in that. So maybe I better go get that law degree. And it's like, I think about that now. It's like, what, what the hell were you thinking about? You know, <laughs> just like, you know, that would have been so horrendous but that was that was the path that i i was going going to go on uh because i i still i do love politics and i love sometimes <laughs> i love <Right. laughs> i love the the fact of you know helping people in doing something for the right reason uh you know school bus uh my school bus going to high school i would see uh, across the this radio station it was just on 1190 east ball road which was K-E-Z-Y. K-E-Z-Y. 
K-E-Z-Y. Uh, and I was like, oh, I wonder what goes on in there, you know, and, you know, just kind of like push that away. Uh, went to college when I was 17, hated it, dropped out. So I think I just kind of like tried to find myself, lost myself more than found myself. <laughs> but, you know, I eventually got uh, rerouted and uh, was taking a class at Cypress College. And the instructor said, you know what, you have a really nice voice and you really know a lot about music. Have you ever thought about being on radio? And it was like, well, no. <laughs> I mean, it was like a real bolt of lightning, to be honest with you, because at that time, there weren't really that many female DJs. I mean, I, you know, I'd, right. I'd love to listen to Mary Turner on KMT and just thought that, you know, she was awesome. And, um, you know, but I, I never really thought of I can do that. I, I would do school announcements. I'd, I'd be the person like at several of my schools where I'd, I'd go and speak on the microphone and say, attention class, you know, <laughs> here's the news, you know? So I, I guess that, that should have enlightened me a little bit to what it was. But once I found that, that then it was just like, all right, this is it. This is it. I, I'm going all, all, you know, blades of glory on this. You know, if, <laughs> if I, I, you know, I, I never had really, envisions uh or visions of being on the radio but just being around it you know it was just mm. so great so uh i would go to school at cyprus and then also at fullerton college they had some great stuff i went to cal state long beach where they kind of like said hey you won't make it so i went back to fullerton jc just where i could you know learn more stuff and then i met a guy by the name of brett flippin who actually worked at kzy on the people's phone he said well if you like you know we're always looking for people to answer the phone you know it's an automated station but you know it's okay just so that people have some sort of contact and uh, i got the job and uh, about six weeks after that they let everybody go because of oh. finances and i just i went into the program director and i just said you know i love what i'm doing here and i don't know if it's illegal or not but i am willing because i was getting paid through the government uh for going to college because of my my father's uh, service uh, I said, you know, I can, I can just work here for free, you know, just learn things and, and help. So I did that for about a year and a half, two years. And then one day, Dave Foreman, the program director said, make me a tape. And I thought, oh, man, you know, he's going to say, he's going to say the same thing they said at Cal State Long Beach or one person said at Cal State Long Beach. And uh, I uh, made a tape, turned in and he said, you're on the air next weekend. And I was like, What? You're on the air next weekend. So it was like, yeah, I was on the air next weekend. You know, it was like, but yeah, that, but I knew how to run all the equipment because that was part of my training program. You know, I'd, right. I'd run these shows in the middle of the night and they were like 58 minutes and you had like a two and a half, three minute window to play, you know, a song so you could change the tape for the next public service program. So I had always, you know, like do a Beatles or a short 60s kind of song and it worked and. Went through a lot of growing pains there at, at KEZY, but I mean, I just what a what a fantastic life, you know. I KEZY, I was an AM station at the time. Uh, the FM station was Kicks Back, and the AM was Kicks Ass, you know. So they'd play <laughs> stuff like Ted Nugent and stuff like that. And being there, I got the opportunity. Uh, I think my first interview off air that they were going to run later was with X. Oh. You know, and it was like, you know, it's like so cool, you know, but, you know, it was like one of those things that 
I was thinking about the other night, CW and I were out at the Pacific Amphitheater. X was playing with Los Lobos and the Blasters. And, you know, I was just, it was just one of those real moments that I hadn't been to the Pacific Amphitheater a long time. And it was like, that's where I met Neil Peart of Rush. You know, that's, <laughs> that's where I hung out with, you know, Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith. And I saw Dire Straits and I saw Van Halen and I saw Ozzy on the side of the stage singing for Black Sabbath and he couldn't remember the words and it was on a screen really big. So he, he, had, he wouldn't forget the words. I mean, it was huge. And it was like, yeah, that just, you know, little things like that, that, you know, you just go, wow, what a, what a pretty, pretty awesome, awesome time. Yeah, Especially so. to be on stage there and just have that flashback of all those memories, you know, yeah. it's like a flip book of your life. Yeah, it was it was happening hard and heavy, to be honest with you. But it was it was uh, it was great. And, you know, it was like funny thinking of X at that time, how like all the salesperson would come to the, the studio and look in the studio as I was recording them. It's like, here are these freaks. And I go, you look around now and it's like, they're not freaks. They weren't really freaks then. <laughs> We're all freaks now. <laughs> And I have a question for you. When somebody says, make me a tape, did you literally just hit record and say, hi, this is Rita Wilde? And da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, I guess, you know, the audition tape at that time, because there was nothing really digital. So it was all on recorded reel to reel. You just put bits and pieces together, still as you would make an audition tape today uh, to, uh, to, to like, say, make a job or, or go apply for a job, whether it be commercial promos or just you talking briefly. It was just, you know, a bunch of that. I think two minutes, three minutes max. And you, you know. got it. I got it. And then, you know, they were they were also very kind to me at KZY. The GM and the PD, you know, kind of pulled me aside and said, just want to give you a heads up that it looks like within a couple of months, the, the station's going to be sold. So it was like, oh God, I knew it wouldn't last forever, you know. <laughs> but instead it was like, Okay, I'm going to make a tape and I'm going to send it to KMBT because that's that's where I wanted to go. And I made a tape also and said, if I can't make it to KMBT, I'm going to make it to KLOS. And, and uh, I, you know, I got called in by Tommy Hodges, uh, along with Frank DeSantis, who was another weekender there. And the same day and, and, and said, okay, well, we need weekend help. You both available? It's like, Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me and then tommy said well i need somebody to work overnight tonight and i go okay uh you know i had to go back and finish my other job at kzy you think and then you know head back up there but it was no sleep but it doesn't didn't matter because it was it was doing something new and vivacious and just so exciting and and just gave purpose and meaning to to what i wanted to do yeah. Well, I look at KLOS now and it's it's an institution. I mean, and it was when I was listening to yeah. it, you know, yeah. and it had a lot of competition even back then, you know, when I was growing up and everything. But KLOS was it. It was the pinnacle of classic rock at the it time. It was, you know, it, it's always been a, a pretty monumental you know, station. Then. So when I got to go in that night uh, after her just being interviewed they had actually uh, engineers at the time who you would you would hand your record to because that was all union so you know you would hand them the song and they'd cue it up and it's like okay segue to the next record now you know it's like they, they didn't have that that 
that and and that was difficult because you know it was like I I prided myself on those slip cues and you know starting songs right off and and you know blending of the music to a, a beautiful beautiful thing. But when you take away the ability to have that hands-on experience, you like okay, you just trust and you just leave it to to uh, the powers that be. And uh, eventually that that system went away and we ran our own equipment and stuff like that. But yeah, the first song I played was Adore's L.A. Woman, too. I was it? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you excited about going to KLOS and being able to play this music? I mean, even if there were, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, some red I tape. Mean, but I mean, it was, it was, like you said, it was the ultimate, you know. I mean, to me, it was like KMT was more the shit. Sorry. Then, uh, then <laughs> right, you know, you KLOS, KLOS was a little bit more uh, corporate, hmm. you know, and, and, and KMUT, I mean, it's like, I, you know, adored Jim Ladd and Mary hmm. Turner and, you know, Bob Coburn, you know, I was like, oh my God, these are, you know, people that, you know, I want to be like, I want to be as good as them someday. I want, I want to be like that, you know, I want to be like them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, so, yeah, getting getting that job at, at KLOS was mind boggling. And I was still working full time at KZY. And then uh, they offered me uh, what they call a full time fill in position. And so, you know, as as fate would have it, you know, KZY was sold. But then I started with, you know, KLOS and stayed with them for I think I it was there 27 years, I think, you know, which is like unbelievable in this this market and this this industry you know it, it doesn't happen like that and i was able to you know work weekends and you know just do all sorts of fill-ins and uh, eventually became a music director which was what i really loved doing you know that mm-hmm. that was just the best part you know you go out and you hear a band you get to meet them and and uh you know it was just the fun part of the business and i think uh bill summers the general manager at that time knew that there wasn't anybody that loved that station more than him than me, you know, and mm-hmm. he knew that I would put my put my all towards it, you know, and, and I did, um, you know, tried my best. And, and I was there, I think it was PD for 10 years and it was time that I left. I mean, you know, you know, I'm proud, I guess, of, of the time that I did there, uh, proud of the many people that I worked with. Uh, proud of the things that we accomplished. We did a lot of uh, things for the community. I saw you guys out and about there. I saw your cars, the KLOS. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, at all the different locations, yeah. Doing your thing. But, I mean, whether you were, you know, a program director or, uh, you know, on air, I'm sure you had some incredible moments, some pinch me moments where you're like, is this happening? Am I talking oh to these people right now? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, I want to hear some of the highlights. So many, uh, one that will never leave me. I was, I was working with, uh, Mark and Brian in the morning. I was running the board for them and the, the guests were Mick Fleetwood, Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham. You know, they came in they talked and then Lindsay and Stevie were going to sing oh. and you know, I'm running the controls. You know, it's like this is too high, this is too, you know. And and she started singing landslide. And my God, my gosh, I just about, I just about lost it. I mean, tears of joy, tears of like, pinch me. I don't believe this. Uh, and then I looked at Brian, and he had the same look. He looked at me, and then we had to look away from each other because it was just 
just so magical. I mean, this was like 7.30 in the morning and she's singing landslide and, and Lindsay's playing that, that great acoustic guitar that he plays so well. And so there were things like that. Uh, being fortunate enough to go to like a Rolling Stones listening party at one of the studios. Oh, come on. And it was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And, you know, and I'd see like another person from another radio station. And then all of a sudden, you know, Keith walks in with his person. And then she and the, the record person were going around to like several people. And she goes to Keith. She goes, this is Rita Wild, uh, KLOS. And he went, oh! Rock and roll. <laughs> Rock and roll. I don't think he remembered anything else or anything, or anything, but it was just like it was just validation of, oh my God, that's Keith Richards. Oh and he just God. said that to me. <laughs> but I mean, KLOS has been, you know, on on air, at least in the format that we know it, since what, right. 71? Uh, actually, I think it was like 1969. It was called the, the Love Station. It was oh. uh, with part of the ABC radio networks. And then, or was it that time that it flipped to, I don't know. No, I, I think, think you're, you're Yeah, you 71 maybe. <laughs> uh, no, maybe, I, you know, I forgot all that, that history, just like I did, you know, American history and all those other things. Uh, I just work know. here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking if the Stones are coming out here, you know, as all the rock stars spend so much time in L.A., that's that's the station they're hearing yeah and that's a station that was playing their their, you know their record too i I went to klos in 1983 and so you know a couple of years i think it was 87 kmt left and that was a bummer but you know klsx came around and then they left and not a lot of rock stations around it and i was always uh that was always really important to me that the integrity uh and the legacy of klos continued uh, I was fortunate enough to go back to KLOS uh, after I left the sound, or after the sound left us, shall we say, the sound got sold, mm-hmm. and uh, went back to KLOS during uh, doing some weekend stuff like that, and then working on a podcast for the 50th anniversary. So, you know, it's like I, I still am proud of it, and I'm still proud that they're rocking. I don't know in this business age, uh, you know, how much longer they can, but I hope that they do. The, the legacy of rock, you know, has been fading away a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, you know, important days and important times and, and, uh, and I'm blessed to say that I was there. I've been oh. very fortunate enough to meet pretty much all of my heroes. There's only a couple that I, I can say that, well, uh, George Harrison, I never met him and I did not meet John. Um, but you know, most of the stones I've met all of them, uh, you two, that's, you know, and what can I say about you two? That's like my favorite band, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that I've been able to meet and see him and meet him a couple of times. And, oh, my God, that's Bruce Springsteen. Oh my How God. is Bruce? <laughs> Bruce? Bruce is amazing. I think the first time I met him was at an event called Survival Sunday. It was happening at the Hollywood Bowl. It was like a bunch of, he wasn't on the bill, but you know, it's like there were rumors that he would be there, but I know like Crosby, Stills and Nash and Jackson Brown and all those people were there. You know, the ones that you would, you would figure would be there. Jim Bias and stuff like that. If mm. I, when I look at the list, I was like, wow, I don't remember them being there. I don't remember them being there, but you know, they were. <laughs> and uh, it was a weird story because uh, a night, the night before that happened, uh, one of the the guys from the radio station 
uh, we're going to go with uh, two Survival Sunday, you know, and try and because I had a, a press credential. Um, was involved in an accident and his girlfriend died. And so it was like at that point, it was just like, okay, we just want to meet Bruce. Not so much for me wanting to meet him, but because he was such a big Bruce fan to get Bruce to sign something for him. Mm-hmm. And um, that worked out. Don't, <laughs> you know, it's just like you, you walk with the, the presence. Of, it was just after the show and I was going through some of the hallways and there was like a fire behind the Hollywood Bowl and they were starting to tell people clear out, clear out. And I go into one of the rooms and it's Jackson Brown talking to Bruce Springsteen. Oh my God. And it's just like, uh, again, you know, you, you, you stop, but then you remember what your, your goal was. And my goal was to get something signed for my friend, uh, by Bruce Springsteen. So, you know, Bruce signed it and, uh, it was just weird. And then it was like, okay, everybody go because we got this fire. Go, go, go. But um to see those two together. Come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, Jackson's music has always meant so much to me. And and Bruce Bruce's music uh is a life changer for me as well, you know. Well, and you're kind of reduced to your your younger self in a way, you know? It's almost like it doesn't matter how many years have gone exactly. by. Exactly. Exactly. You're that fourteen year old or that thirteen year old exactly. hearing the music for the first time again. Yeah. It, it, all yeah. the sensations. It's like I studied your lyrics, man. I, you know, read everything <laughs> about you. I've listened to every one of your songs. And it's like, you know, you, you just feel this intimacy uh with somebody who writes that that way. And and going back to like who I haven't met, I haven't met Joni Mitchell. And Joni Mitchell's always really been very important to me. And also Donovan, the singer-songwriter Donovan. Donovan is awesome. You know, so it's like I'm still hoping that somehow, some ways maybe I can you know, get a, a chance to meet them. But if not, you know, it's like, God, what am I going to, you know, cry about? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful, wonderful adventure. Oh, I can imagine. Donovan, he was one of those under uh, underrated um, artists that I loved in high school. I had a thing for Burt's Blues. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Loved that song. Yeah. And nobody knew who he was, but yeah, I, to get to meet him would be incredible. But I have barely met anybody. I'm listening to all this and I'm thinking someday, someday, yeah, I mean, like you're in the, in the right city, but you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's just you like, you see them in passing. Yeah. You know, and then you, you want to be able to, uh, respect their privacy and so forth, you know, but then this is my, my feeling also that, you know, sometimes you have to know that that's your moment and that's going to be your only moment. And if you want to say something positive to that person, then you better say it now, you know, just try not to be uh, an asshole, you know, try to respect their privacy, but you know, just for you to be able to express that to that artist that just their music touched you so much and meant so much. James Taylor is another one like that for me that just, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I have seen so many artists living in LA. You know, you just grow, growing up, you just run into them. 
you know, um, I, I did get to go to Ringo's birthday party, his 77th birthday party at Capitol Records. Oh, really And cool. seeing him was a trip enough. But yeah. I think I, I geeked out just as much on Joe Walsh. Yeah. I'm standing there and I'm like, this is an eagle. This is James Gang. This is Joe Walsh. Joe. You know, and he looks back at me and I, it, it's like you said, you know, you're, you're here, you're trying to be at cool. You're at a you know, birthday party. You know, you want yeah. to get your best put, foot forward. But at the same time, I was having a meltdown inside. Yeah. I never went up and I never said anything. However, a year later, I'm at Coral Tree Cafe in Brentwood with a girlfriend of mine. And she's talking on and on and on about I God knows what, because I stopped listening because right behind her, all I could see was Lindsey Buckingham. Oh my God. Yeah. And he's sitting there with his friends. And I had that Beatles moment. I'm like, you say something this time. You go up and say yeah, something. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Fleetwood Mac Rumors was the first album I ever bought. I mean, I, to me, that was, that was yeah. it. And she could tell that I was glazing over and looking above her. And I said, that's Lindsay Buckingham. And she said, who? I said, <laughs> all right, this yeah. is going to be lost on you. I said, Fleetwood Mac. I said, look, hold your story. I'm going to wait for a moment to stand up and go say something when it's appropriate. And he's not flanked by all his family members. So as they started to get up and started to leave, it was just him and two others. And I said, I can't. She goes, go, go, go. Just do it. And so I got up and I said, Lindsay, I'm not looking to interrupt, but I do have to tell you something. When I say I'm a fan, that's an understatement. He took my hand. He held it to his face like this. And he said, thank you so much for saying that. Of course, uh, that's when I became a blubbering idiot. I was like, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I, I'm no, sorry no. for interrupting <laughs> at your lunch. Your, I don't know what. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, he was like, no, no, no. Oh, how it's sweet. Just fine. And we left. And I thought that man is beautiful. I'm yeah. so glad I just said something. Yeah. He'll never remember me ever. Yeah. But I got to say something and let him know I'm a fan. And the fact that he reciprocated that back to you by holding your hand and saying thank you. That means something. Of course, uh, because you don't know how you're going to be received, like you said. You know, they're getting assaulted all the time, you know? So you kind of want to stand out, and you you also want to be respectful. But sometimes that's so hard. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. I've just found that if, you know, you're respectful of their their space and stuff like that, you know, a lot of times if they're like, you know, if it's it's a a crazy situation, like the forum club, I'll, you know, I've been known to, like, do that you know, go up and say hi to people and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just like, you're Rita well, you know, and it's like when you, when you get one of those like Taylor Hawkins, the Foo Fighters, when I was at uh, Rush uh, induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the special party, you know, I saw him on the, on the stairway coming in. I just went, Taylor Hawkins. Hey. <laughs> and uh, I said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm Rita Wild. And he goes, you're Rita Wild. I go, yeah. I go, you're fucking Taylor. Like, sorry, I didn't say it like that, but it's just like, you're asking me if I'm Rita Watt. No, you're Taylor Hawkins. Foo Fighters. I just saw you on stage, you know, you and the Foo Fighters doing uh, Rush, dressed up as Rush, you know, because they, they were big fans of Neil Peart um, of Rush. And uh, that was. But he knew you also. I know. That's that pretty amazing. But that's do you pretty... get that? You start talking, they hear your voice. Uh, I mean. It, you know, it happens and, you know, I'm always, I guess, flattered, but then it's, it's like that, uh, different person again, because that, that's, that's the read it me. I'm just like a really shy person, you know, it's like, you know, who just got blessed and lucky to do all these things that I got to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I try to be respectful, you know, especially when an artist says something like that. Oh, wow. I read it. Yeah. Thanks for playing a record or, you know, doing 
something like that. Uh, but yeah, for for anybody that listened to the the radio for a long time and and has uh, you know come up to me and said thank you. Uh, that was one good thing about you know like uh, social media. You know, like with the sound, we really got to talk to a lot of people because before it was always you know make a request and you know it's just like it's like a little community I, jim lad used to call it uh, the tribe <laughs> you know and it's just like okay yeah i mean that's what it was it was like you know that that tribal drum that he explains in his book so well so Most yeah. definitely and you're creating a different tribe these days with rock and roll confessional the podcast uh, uh yeah we I have a lot it. of fun with that you know cw was somebody who i worked with uh k-l-o-s for many years and um I've just always been friends, you know, he makes me laugh. And uh, after I, I love the sound, he said, let's do a podcast. He goes, I'll, I'll do it, record it. And, you know, you just be the voice. And I go, no, you do it with me because he makes me laugh, you know, mm-hmm, and it's just like mm-hmm. it, bouncing stuff it's off of him. Yin and yang kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, I really appreciate him doing that along with me in addition to all the other stuff, because it, right. to be honest, if it was up to me, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's like I read how to do this and how to do that. It's like, well, my brain is not just <laughs> grabbing this. It's kind of like Excel spreadsheets. I just it, something just disconnects and I can't get it right. There's a difference between not wanting to grasp it and not being yeah. able to. Yeah. And There's so, a fine line too, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, what I'm, you know, I'm I'm working on that. But this, you know, downtime I'm having has been a, a really uh good time because I'm just learning so much more. Well, I appreciate you coming on, but you know, I always like to end my shows and I feel bad because you guys do a little bit of the same too with some of those little rapid fire questions. And I always love asking those. So I'm still going to do it even though okay. you guys do. <laughs> okay, no problem. What band would you love to see that you've never gotten to see, whether they're still alive or they're no longer touring? Can I say two? Uh, yeah. I'll say Cream. I would have loved to have seen Cream. And I didn't see them when they did that reunion tour, unfortunately. Uh, and then obviously the Beatles. My sister got to see the Beatles. Uh, so that, that was cool. But, uh, you know, I've seen Paul McCartney several times and Ringo Starr. And, you know, uh, hey, pretty as cool. Close as pretty cool. Get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. First so. concert you ever saw? Uh, first concert I'll admit to seeing. <laughs> uh, what was that? Uh, actually, it was. Uh, there was a band called the Cow Seals, oh, the, uh-huh. the Rain the Park and other things, and and they were on the military base that my father was at, so I got to see them. And at Nam, just this past year at Nam, I saw John Cowsell, and he said, "You know what? You guys were the first band I ever saw." And, and it's like he plays with the Beach Boys now too. So it was just it was just one of those moments of you know connecting the dots from yeah. youth to past and yeah. Well, in your past or with the the podcast now, what would be your dream interview? I'd really love to sit down and talk with Bruce if he was willing to do it, but that would go on for like several hours. And then, (laughs) no, I mean, you know, because it would have to, because it would, you know, there would be so many of these tangent moments that like, Bruce, do you remember that time? (laughs) Bruce, do you remember that time you were on KMT Radio and, and, and Mary Turner was interviewing you? I remember saying that to Mary Turner the first time I met you. I go, Mary Turner. You interviewed Bruce Springsteen. She goes, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one last one, which might be kind of hard. Okay. Know, top five albums. 
just 60, 70. So you can't go into the eighties. You can, you can. Okay. (laughs) Come on, Amanda. (laughs) It's it's, it's your game. So I'm going to say, uh, one would be Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, Mm. because, uh, the song lovely Rita, it was like, you know, it was like Rita wasn't such a bad name anymore. You know, it was like, oh, what kind of name is Rita? I was you know, going to ask you, you must have got that all the, all time. the time. All the time. Yeah. So uh, that was, one. yeah, that's uh, one of my favorite records. Um, you two, uh, I would probably go Octune Baby mm-hmm. as opposed to Joshua Tree, even so I love both of them. And Bruce Springsteen would be darkness on the edge of town because that changed my life mm-hmm. um let's see what other ones i don't know so many other ones you know i was just listening to kpfk earlier today and they were doing like the 50th anniversary of uh cat stevens tifa the tillerman and and Joni mitchell's blue and it was like oh my god i haven't heard these songs in so long they're so great so i mean just you know it, it's kind of hard to put them into to categories and stuff like that but just off the top of my head those 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 are good yeah. ones yeah. Those are really, really good ones. And I'm with you on Octoon Baby. Uh-huh. I think one of my favorite albums of all time, yeah. not just by you 2 yeah. That changed me because that was a coming of age album for me because yes. I was 12 when that came out. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. And so the videos were playing on repeat on MTV. Yeah. And Mysterious Ways and One, those were the mm-hmm. two that we were, they were playing all the time. And I remember yeah. looking at Bono, especially when One, you know, he's sitting at the bar and he's having a drink and he's, you know, even though the, the song was about the band, he was lamenting over some lost love or whatever it was. And I remember being 12 going, I like boys. I like boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's got that hair and everything. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, so oh handsome. my God. Yeah. And Mysterious Ways was just a great song. Yeah. No, oh, it's like meeting, meeting all of you two has been like, you know, one of the top experiences in my life too. Just, you know. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Rita, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank um, you, Amanda. It's, it's been one of the best that I've done. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time and your effort and your energy and your knowledge and just being who you are, because I can tell that you're, you're a good soul. Oh, thank you. Likewise, uh, Rita, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Okay. In the, interim, in the interim, good luck with the podcast. I'm going to continue to listen. Everybody needs to listen. And you guys have some phenomenal, phenomenal guests. So everybody needs to check out Rock and Roll Confessional. Thanks for listening, guys. And a big thank you to Rita Wild for making the time and CWS for getting the interview set up. Don't forget to check out rockandrollconfessional.rocks for more info on their podcast, and we will see you guys at the next one.